Welcome to Culture Eats Strategy. Eats Strategy. With your host, entrepreneur Jamie J. Jamie J. On this podcast, we unpack the most powerful, intangible culture. Culture. Culture is way more than a mission statement or words on a wall. It's how a company behaves. It's what informs every decision, action, and reaction. Culture is the invisible hand, the true north that guides every organization. And if you create a legendary culture, you will build a legendary company. A legendary company. Now, here he is, Jamie J. Jamie J. Business and marriage fail for us the same for the same three reasons. We're going to be learning about that today. Uh, and before I introduce our guests, I want to tell you a little bit more about them. Uh, for more than 30 years, 30 years, Dr. Ellen Bader and Peter Pearson have specialized in helping couples transform their relationships. I tried so hard to get Sarah on the call with me today and doggone it. She's just so dang busy, but maybe next time. I know one of these times I'll try and get her in here. Um, but I thought this would have been perfect opportunity, actually. Um, but in 1984, Ellen and Pete co-founded the Couples Institute, where they have since worked closely with entrepreneurial couples throughout Silicon Valley, including CEOs, startup founders, and small business owners, helping them better understand and overcome the unique challenges of managing a business and marriage simultaneously and successfully. And if you've heard any of my other episodes, you always hear how I emphasize work not work-life balance, but just life balance. I do not believe in a work-life balance. I believe you got to have a life balance. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to dive into that a little bit today. I can't wait. Um, but Ellen and uh, let me see, I think Ellen and Pete have been working specifically with couples who are building online businesses and information internet marketing in a climate of rapid innovation. Love that. Where even a small slice of market share can be worth billions these clients are on the firing line every single day. Isn't that the truth? From 36 years as married partners, 34 of those years were spent working with couples and building their businesses together. Ellen and Pete have seen it all. They bring both personal experience and clinical expertise to their clients through innovative programs and intensive workshops, guiding thousands of couples to build lives they love with the ones they love. Oh man, isn't that sweet? Considered by many to be the preeminent experts in couples therapy training, Ellen and Pete have educated and inspired therapists across six continents. They have been featured, get this, on the Today Show, Good Morning America, and CBS Early Morning News, and have been quoted in publications like the New York Times, Oprah Magazine, Business Insider, Red Book, and Cosmopolitan, the list goes on. Uh, without any further ado, I want to welcome them to these, this particular episode, but first, if you are considering um, hiring somebody for the first time and don't know where to start um, and don't know if you even are ready to hire somebody, um, a couple indicators. Are you late for meetings? Are you forgetting things? Um, are you staying late for work? Are you missing out on family functions because of work? These are all telltale signs that it might be time uh, to maybe look for some help. Go to bottleneck.online today to learn more about that. And uh, full transparency, that is my company. Uh, but I promise you, we have less than a 5% attrition rate because of a lot of the stuff that we do up front to help you realize whether or not you're even ready to hire somebody. So go check it out at bottleneck.online. Without any further ado, let's get into the episode today. Ellen, Pete, welcome. 
Hey, it's good to be here, Jamie. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, thanks. And uh, with two such high energy men, it's going to be an interesting <laughs> kind of minute. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, during our pre-interview, like the second we hopped on, I was like, "Hello," and it was like, "Hello." <laughs> was like, this is fantastic. <laughs> well, I can't thank you enough for stopping by uh, Culture Eat Strategy today. And um, I know, uh, heck, what relationships have to do with culture. And, and to me, culture starts at home, in my opinion, and then goes through to work. But I wanted to start off with this question. Um, business and, or is it actually a quote, business and marriage fail for the same three reasons. I wonder if maybe we can start there to kind of start this discussion and what those three reasons are. Uh, uh, great. Here, here's the first one, which is a failure to learn from experience. Uh, mm. And couples will have ongoing arguments and fights, and I'll be gosh darn. They just do not learn from experience. They each want to keep convincing the other person how right they are, and they learn absolutely nothing. It's been said that success leaves tracks. If you want the same results, keep doing the same thing. That's, I think, a killer toxic concept in the world of business. You really can't keep doing the same thing over and over again and expect to get the same result next month, next six months, next year. You have to learn from experience as things change. Second one, is the inability or unwillingness to pivot when circumstances change. And, oh, Lordy, if things do not change fast in the world of business, but if you can't pivot uh, about where the market is, what the market wants from you, how you can better serve your customers, you're screwed. Same thing in, in a marriage when you get together. Circumstances change. You have to keep pivoting. Kids come along. There's a big acquisition that requires some shifting. And the third one is an inability to predict probable future problems and take corrective action. <clears throat> Classic example, Kodak came up with digital photography like in the 70s or 80s. They invented it, but they said nobody would be interested in digital photography and the marketplace ate their lunch, Kodak files for bankruptcy. We were talking also, different situation. CEO, former CEO of Blockbuster, he said, you want to know what's interesting? Wayne Huizinga. Approached us and said to Blockbuster, to the board of directors, are you interested in buying us out for $50 million? The board laughed them out of the room. He's <laughs> laughing now. The inability to predict probable future problems or opportunities and take corrective action. Big, big mistake. So with these three outlines there, let's go to failure to learn from experiences. This is, uh, is it the definition of uh, insanity, I guess, a little bit there? A little bit, yeah. Keep doing the same thing and hope for a different result. So one of the, so it is hard just because I think about that. And I look at what we've done here, and I'm, I have to admit, I, I, I'm a little bit slower sometimes. <laughs> Maybe it had to happen to me two or three times. Oh, I'm not supposed to do that. Uh -huh. <laughs> I'm wondering, you know, it took a while to get through there. But boy, when you make the change, um, I think part of it was out of fear. Part of it was out of maybe um, 
going outside of what, what my comfort level was um, because of either knowledge or experience. And I wonder if maybe you can elaborate on that a little bit. Yeah, Helen, do you want to take that one? We could talk for an hour on that, Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> we could. I, I want to talk culture, though. I want to be sure we talk culture on this. Well, we will. We will. Okay. Um, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. Okay, here's the one thing. See, there is a region of our brain that's devoted to, uh, people call it the emotional brain, de devoted to self-protection, self-interest, and it goes even beyond fight, flight, or freeze. It's self-protection, self-interest, and that part of our brain also is interested in creating the greatest reward with the least amount of effort and the least amount of emotional risk. And so in addition to self-protective, that part of our brain wants a big bang for little effort, little risk. And so we stay in that zone of familiarity. Some people call it comfort, but sometimes it's not a comfortable zone. There's pain there, but it's better than the pain they anticipate going forward. So they stay, quote, stuck. Mm. Mm. That, and, well, you just spoke of culture. I think this directly correlates to um, maintaining a good culture because as a business leader, if I continually make poor decisions, um, the culture is going to go down Crap. the crapper. They, they, yeah, lose, yeah. they lose confidence in you. Mm. And once you lose confidence in the leader of a team, that's when things start to crumble. Mm. It's so true. So true. Can you speak to that at all, Ellen? Well, so, I mean... I'd like to speak actually to that and expand it a little bit. Like when you're creating a culture, you're creating a culture in your marriage and in your family, and you're also creating one in your business. And in situations we work with, which are a lot of couple run businesses, um, the couple are usually the mom and dad of the business as well as the mom and dad in the family. Mm. So the way that, mom and dad make decisions is going to be modeled by kids and it's also going to be modeled by people in the company or the ways the mom and dad's receptivity to new ideas and to hearing what people have to say and the way that you know mom and dad acknowledge and appreciate each other all of that trickles down and it trickles down into the kind of uh, culture you build in your company and also the kind of culture you build in your family. They're not, dis they're not different. They're very, very similar. Have you dealt a lot with uh, clients that are couples that were in businesses that maybe didn't have, um, have maybe not written down visions or missions or, or because of that, there was a lack of culture um, that, that they began with? Yeah. Uh, yes, a lot. Um, I mean, one of the things I do is two-day intensives with couples who come in with a particular problem, usually in their business. But uh, And so I just did one a couple of weeks ago. And that particular couple not only had not set any kind of vision, but they were building actually a pretty successful company but they had completely different ideas about where they wanted it to go mm -hmm. and what the exit strategy was. And they didn't even realize how much so many decisions they were pulling in two different directions because they each had a different 
desire, one to sell and get out soon, the other one to build it as a legacy and pass it on to family. And Oh, those, wow. I mean, those are two really big different directions for a company. Just out of curiosity, were they in the same room or were they in two separate rooms? Well, they... Uh, they were in the same room with me, but I'll tell you the way they worked and their job, their roles in the company, they weren't in this, at the same room often enough because they weren't even having any kind of business meeting with each other. Wow. Wow. One of the things I do pride myself on is, is uh, communicating with, with my fiance. We, we constantly talk about what it is that we would like to do or where we would like to see the business go or, or what's happening. And, and, and lo and behold, the decisions that, that are made um, uh, are, are made much to the, not even my surprise. I already know what she feels and, and how she reacts. And, and I communicate with her and I ask her and I get feedback from her before I make decisions because I learned <laughs> it's much easier to kind of um, uh, two things real fast. I'm sorry to go on this tangent, but th- this is, this is exciting. There's two things that I've learned. You either have a meeting or you have, um, uh, an, an, an announcement. Those are two completely different very, things. Very different. Very different. If you go into a meeting, and you say, okay, we're going to be doing this now. All of a sudden the staff or in a relationship, okay, this is what we're going to do now. Wait, I thought we were doing, nope, stop everything. We're going to do that. That freaks everybody out. Everybody's wondering what's going on. Is something wrong? Instead of, you know, gradually pushing this in. Okay, I had an idea. What do you think about this? This Would this be great? How long do you think it would take to implement instead of stopping? I learned that very early on. And so by what you're saying there about having two different uh, conversations with that couple with two totally different outcomes um, really resonate, resonates with me. And, and I think a lot of it has to do with communication. Well, well the, the kind, what, what you're talking about is um, what we call a unilateral decision or a decide and, and announce. When you decide and announce or you make a unilateral decision, if it's not agreed ahead of time that you're going to make unilateral decisions, there's going to be pushback and you're going to set up conflict in the system. And there goes the culture. Yeah, there goes the culture really fast. See, here's what you just said, Jamie, that's really interesting. As Sarah works in your business or works more in your business, you can talk to your team all you want about a culture of this or that. But what they're going to do is watch how you and Sarah deal with disagreement. They're mm. going to watch how you deal with conflict. And that's what sets the tone for the culture. Uh, and that will triumph your modeling will eat what you preach mm. Ooh, that's powerful that's powerful yeah i think it's 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 really important to kind of take a step back too uh when you look at things our slogan here is leading with kindness um i i i absolutely believe in kindness i think it's okay i, I think it depends on what what industry you're in and all that kind of stuff but for us Kindness works. Um, I, I absolutely love it. Um, and the other thing I think is kindness and empowerment. Um, empowerment for my fiance uh, to make his decision and not be worried that I may get upset. Um, empowerment for the team to make a decision on their own without having to come to me first. And we do that in three steps. Number one, is it good for the company? Number two, is it good for the staff? And number three, is it good for our clients? In that order. Because the company's not healthy, how are we going to take care of the staff? If the staff's not happy, 
how in the heck are they going to take care of our clients? You know, I love that because you you reverse the typical order, which is a customer comes first and the staff gets burnt out. Mm. Uh, you know, right. it's really interesting. I was talking to our secretary. I said, we were going to be on this podcast. So I said, hey, Ruth, what's it like? What do you think our culture is at the Couples Institute? And we have, including Ellen and I, I think there are 13 of us uh, at the Couples Institute. Oh, she wow. said, well, first of all, she said it's open. And everybody helps everybody. And here's what she said was good. She said, there's no backstabbing. And Ruth has been in a uh, business world for about 50 years. And she said, this is the first place I've worked where people who work there do not go tattle to mom and dad about somebody else. Uh, and she said that. Why, why, do you, why do you think that is? Well, <laughs> well I... I mean, I think we have created such a collaborative culture of, and one of safety where we really solicit everybody's ideas and also where we are very strong about people dealing directly. So if somebody comes to me about somebody else, I'll say, have you been to them first? Um, and so we don't, we just don't play those kind of games. And now, and, and we also do let people go if they come in and they don't fit in the culture because we're not going to let the culture get poisoned by certain individuals. I love that. Are you familiar with the Aristotle study they did at Google? Some know and some don't know about it. No. Google did. They, they are noticed. They are known for documenting and measuring everything. And they wanted to know what really created a good team. And they spent two years studying this. They have 180 teams at Google. Um, and they wanted to figure out what makes some teams stumble and what makes some teams soar. And they looked at everything, authoritarian leaderships, uh, hands-off leaderships, match personalities, match strengths, have different strengths. And, it, and after two years, they couldn't find what was the common theme between teams that really work and teams that don't until they stumbled on one factor that was consistent with all the teams that really soared at Google. And it had to do with the notion of psychological safety, uh, which is a sense that there's confidence that, the, that you, when you are in that team, you will not be embarrassed or rejected or punished uh, for speaking up. And that psychological safety that you were just talking about, you're not gonna yell at people for making mistakes, you select their opinions, and you give them role flexibility around decision-making. That's what Google spent millions of dollars to discover and uncover what you are doing automatically at bottleneck. <laughs> wow. You know what? You, now that you mentioned psychological safety, one of my staff brought that up uh, a couple months back, um, but I didn't know it was from that study. Um, and what I love about this is so I came from corporate America and I mean, don't no disrespect to corporate America. It just was not for me. I, I tried my darndest. I, I can tell you would not fit into that culture. <laughs> I, I, I don't even they wouldn't know. Let me grow a beard. <laughs> and so I really, I was challenged. Um, you know, it was, it, ah, I remember, I remember one time as at the radio station, and the, the, the big wigs were coming to visit us and they literally handed us a piece of paper with the mission statement on there. And at the time I didn't know, you know, I was like, okay, I got to memorize this for the big wigs or whatever. 
but I had no idea the culture was so broken because I came into radio thinking, oh, I could be so creative. This can be a blast. And there was so much red tape. You had to do so many things to get the smallest thing approved. It was ridiculous. Needless to say. Cutthroat business radio. What's that? It's a cutthroat business. Oh, my goodness. Grace. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Uh, again, if you're in radio and you love it, fantastic. I'm all for it. I, if you're happy, I'm happy. For me, it didn't work. I wanted to be out on my own. And what I found was I didn't get that feeling of comfort to where, hey, yeah. what about this? Um, I felt like, man, if I speak up, I'm, I'm going to get fired. Or, you know, how, can, how dare you say that? You ought to have to go through the channels. And to me, what in the heck? It, makes no, it made no sense to me. Well, your creativity goes underground. Yeah. It's no wonder people are afraid to go to work or dread. Oh my God, it's Monday. Oh, yeah. I can't wait till Friday. I, I'm not like that. I, I'm holy cow. What are we doing? Okay. We have a meeting today. Yeah. Like we get stoked for our meetings. How crazy is that? Well, see, I'll, I'll give you my favorite quote about teamwork and culture in nature and how it applies to humans. And it's a quote from Rudyard Kipling in one of his poems where he said, and the strength of the pack is the wolf, and the strength of the wolf is the pack. It's that interdependency between the individual and the group, and the group and the individual. I love that. Have you ever seen that picture of the, of the pack of wolves? And there's little arrows down, and it would identify what each responsibility is. Yeah. It was amazing to me. Um, how how much that can transfer into, you know, business or life. You oh, know? oh, I love that. I love that. Uh, would you guys mind if I went back to the second point that you guys made earlier or that you made earlier on the inability or unwillingness to pivot when circumstances change? Yeah. Uh, I, I think this is really important too. Um, and you can see how this kind of, relates to culture, but I wonder if maybe you can elaborate on that a little bit. Are you asking about the inability or unwillingness to pivot when circumstances change, getting set in your ways, I guess, is another way of saying this and yeah. how detrimental that can possibly be for uh, life. No, I mean, it's, it, it's very detrimental because what happens is a system gets more and more closed and more and more rigid. So if you're, if you're not open to either input or to seeing what's going on in the world around you and you keep on just applying the same thing over and over again, um, it, it becomes, I mean, it really, the system gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And um, that, number one, it doesn't become a place people want to work, but it also um, isn't going to last. Um, you know, one of, like, we have a whole thing of six sort of skill sets that we've developed for couples and uh, for couples in business that apply from home to home and at work. And one of those is the process of making decisions because you were looking at the decision-making a little bit earlier, whether you kind of come in and decide and announce or whether you actually involve everybody in those decisions. And, uh, in rigid systems, 
people will apply one main way of making decisions and that one main way gets used no matter what the circumstances are. And we teach people three different types of decisions to use and a lot of flexibility depending on the situation for the type of, of decision that's used. And that enables a system to open up rather than to shut down. Mm. I love that. I think that <laughs> it's kind of scary because if you make a change, it could be financially a big financial burden. I think making changes. Yeah. Um, and I think right now, if you don't make these decisions, um, you can't see the financial burden. <laughs> and so if you, if you, if you don't and keep it status quo, Oh my gosh, you're saving this money, but are you really right? You know what I'm saying? That's kind of what I look at. I think a big motivating factor is a lot of people, there's two things. There's the financial side of it. And then there's the, as you said, the, the, what was it? Not the comfort zone, but the, cause you. Familiarity. Well, and, and fear of control too. Yeah. You know, yeah. things are predictable. You feel a sense of control. Right. Right. Yeah. It's tough. The third thing you said was the inability to predict future problems. This is a tough one. Like, of course you said, sure. Let me, let me correct you on that. It's the inability to predict probable future problems. Or anticipate uh, what might be coming. Anticipate what might be coming. Probable future problems. Probable. Thank you. Um, and so how do you know, though? Like, it's, it's tough. Uh, it, uh, let me give you an example. Okay. Bottleneck. So, um, in 2008, uh, the, there's a big crash, <laughs> the housing crisis. Guess what type of advertising agency I had at the time? A real estate based advertising agency. Wow. <laughs> wow. I can't think of a worse thing, <laughs> worse industry to get involved with in 2006 than I did. Um, and then what happened in 2008. So, I vowed the next time. Whatever I do in the future, I'm going to do something that is scalable. I'm, I want a subscription-based program, and I want to make sure that if another crisis happens, that I will have the least, not totally recession-proof, but what I consider to be the least recession-proof type of business that I can, or the most recession-proof type of right. business that I can. And I thought, man, virtual assistants. They're more cost-effective. Uh, you're not paying the FICA. You're not doing all this stuff. There's not a lot of overhead because I've learned two things happen. First thing to go is advertising. Second thing to go is downsizing. People let yep. the staff go. And I thought, man, I could get the best of both worlds. So I'm kind of betting on this. Um, well, I love it too, but to help people through this crisis that is inevitably going to be coming, in my opinion. But how do you figure out probable challenges. I think you just defined it, Jamie, by saying, look, we had a nasty crisis back then, and it's only a matter of time before we hit another one of those crises. That goes under the category of a probable future problem. Mm. So what you did is just exactly what we are describing. You identified a probable future problem. And I, I think the same way, it's not if we're going to have another one, it's only a matter of when, and it's going to be nasty. You think so, huh? 
Uh, and you are setting yourself up by virtual assistance. You help employers like us uh, be so much more flexible with our hiring. And that solves a problem for us, is that flexibility around hiring. And when you said you have less than a 5% attrition rate, what that does to me as a potential employer go, oh, God, you guys really know what you're doing. Um, I want to keep you in my Rolodex because as an employer, I know when the yogurt hits the fan, we're going to have staffing problems, too many or too few. And so I need to have you in my Rolodex when it hits the fan. I may not need you right now, but certainly down the road, you'll be hearing from me. That's interesting. Uh, do you, I wonder, do you have any examples of other challenges that people um, have been able to do uh, that you've worked with that have, that have not necessarily seen the future, but have come up with a probable future challenges and, well, and what they've done to pivot? I mean, a good, a good example that I've seen in the internet marketing world is, you know, when people started and they were on the forefront it was pretty easy to put something out there and make money at it. And, and a lot, and there were a, a number of businesses that were all centered around, let's say one main product and they weren't actually building a business as much as they were building the brand and the leverage around that product, but didn't foresee the amount of competition that was coming and how fast it was going to come and having to diversify and look at where their leverage is and look at subscription-based models and things that um, make for a more sustainable business rather than, you know, a launch of a primary product. Mm. So some of those, you know, some of those companies are gone now. Some of them have been able to wake up and do it differently. And, you know, and I, I look at the way that like Google is, managing what gets to the top of Google now. And I'm seeing like a really red light on small businesses are going to have a harder and harder time being even visible uh, with the way that searches are being managed. And so that's a, like a probable future problem that I see on the horizon that I don't hear that many people talking about, but I think it's going to be a reality. I love that point. You know what we've done? What? We've gone ahead and started partnering with large customer uh, service companies um, like Clutch and Blogger Local and different, different, different review companies and leveraging their high page ranking sources to evaluate us as a group, in turn, ranking us higher, which does two things. It alleviates us from trying to pay all that money and position ourselves for us. The second thing it does is it's a third party recommending us as a service. Um, and I think that carries a lot more weight to it. But I, I love that you recognize that as a probable future challenge because I agree 100%. And that's, I think, one of the reasons that we chose to do something like that. And see, you're talking all the different ways that you keep evolving, Jamie in who is your market? How do we reach them? Who can we, instead of just trying to do it all on your own, how do we partner with people? How do we create affiliates? How do we, 
even create sometimes a joint venture uh, instead of this is just a one-man show. You keep talking a lot about how you're doing exactly that, which is pivoting, adjusting, and what are the challenges that we anticipate? What can we do about them now? You're giving terrific examples yourself. Well, thank you. Yeah, we we try really hard. <laughs> it's it's a, this is a tough tough uh, tough to run a business. And um, you, you know, one thing I, I want to ask is how does this how does everything that you're working on with your clients how how do how do you how do you bring how do you introduce culture um, into the mix? Uh, in my personal opinion, culture eats strategy, right, Peter Drucker. In my personal opinion, you can have the best strategy in the world, but if there's no culture, why? <laughs> I say, go ahead, Alan. No, I was going to say, again, because we work with a lot of couple-owned businesses, mm-hmm. um, it starts with the culture between them. And so if if they can't resolve conflict, if they can't have a decent discussion, if they can't even figure out their vision of what the culture is for their company that they want, um, you're back to starting with, okay, we got to figure that out. Like what's like the first thing in our list of six is commitment. And what's your commitment to each other? And what's your commitment to the business? And if that, if that isn't articulated, at least with some level of agreement, you're not going to be able to build a positively successful culture. See, in a sense, because our focus is on the entrepreneurial marriage, uh, how the entrepreneur and her spouse work together and how they work together sets the stage for the culture, how they communicate with each other, how they support each other, uh, how they laugh together, how they share their own vision of the future for their marriage and for their business. All of that gets transmitted, transmitted to people who work in the business. And believe me, without, I don't want you to be paranoid, but it's just the fact that they watch how the owners do it. And that's what sets the tone for the culture, how we treat customers, how we treat each other, because it's modeled by the entrepreneur and their spouse. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty powerful. You don't even... Like sometimes we'll sit next to each other because she has her computer out there and I have mine in here. We work from home. Uh, and but sometimes we'll be on the we'll do our meetings and we'll be sitting next to each other. And I just thinking that we had a meeting this morning. I'm like, man, I wonder, did we look at each other strange? Did we <laughs> did we like shake our heads at anything? Because I could see how that would be so powerful and impactful. I'll tell you one thing that's super impactful, though, is when people who work for you see you two work something out in front of them. It's not so much that you have a conflict or a disagreement, but if they see you able to work it out, then they relax and they feel like, oh, I'm in a safe place. If they see, you know, you sniping at each other or they see you push it under the rug and then it comes out in passive aggressive ways, they're going to go, this is not a safe place to work. Yeah. One of the greatest gifts parents can give their children is this. Hey, kids, you want to know how to deal with disagreements? Watch your mom and I deal with ours. Oh, yep. Mm. Yeah, there's a myth in the parenting world that says take your conflicts behind closed doors. And yeah, that's good if you're going to be nasty to each other, but it doesn't need to be behind closed doors if you know how to do it. Oh, that's awesome. 
lead by example. Totally. Yeah. It's okay. We're, we can make our own decisions. It's okay to disagree. It's totally okay. There's nothing wrong with it, but it's how you go about doing it, I guess, is what I'm understanding. Right. And here's a bonus for your, for your listeners, Jamie. Uh, Ellen and I have done, uh, created a special report. Mm. And it's taking what ses- successful entrepreneurs do, six of those qualities, six of those traits, and how you can then take those same six traits and apply them to your marriage. And that's what creates a stronger team on the home front and a stronger team on the work front. And we can give you a connection if you want so your listeners can download that. 100%. Yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's just www.couplesinstitute.com forward slash CES for culturing strategy. Yes. Um, and another thing that's there too, when people go get that, is a document called Negotiation specifically for couples. So it talks about what can and can't be negotiated and how to set up a good negotiation when you do differ. Because if you're in business and married <laughs> or just in business you um, or just married, but in any of those arenas, there's going to be inevitable disagreement where you each plant your feet in something that's different. And then you need to be able to know how to move it forward. Well, you'll be seeing me register uh, straightforward. (laughs) (laughs) Great. We'd love to have you. Well, thank you so much for stopping by today. I do want to respect your time. I know we went a little bit longer, but uh, in all seriousness, I would love to have you back <laughs> another time because there's so much more I would like to explore with this. This is super powerful. And I've never uh, had a sh- had an episode before that explored uh, this much detail in relation to culture, couples, business, and personal life. So so many things that I would love to ask you and, and learn more about. If, 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 if that's okay with you, I'd love to have you back. Sure. Come, we'll come back sometime when, and when your fiance can be on too. Oh, that would be so awesome. <laughs> listen, it would be delightful to come back. And listen, we would totally enjoy having Sarah participate <laughs> in too. Oh my gosh, that would be awesome. So um, is there anything else you would like to say uh, before we wrap up this episode today? Um. Uh, yeah, I think the thing I would say is just, you know, the like, think about how you acknowledge and appreciate the people in your life, the people that matter, the people in your work, the people at home, and do some extra. We, we get couples to do what we call the daily double. So just twice a day, be sure that you're uh, laying it on a little thick with those people who matter. So uh, yeah. go away from the podcast and do that. That'd be super. Twice a day, express to your partner for 14 consecutive days. Express to them, communicate to them how you love or why you love, value, and appreciate and respect them. Twice a day, make a conscious effort for 14 days to do that. We appreciate our best customers. Sometimes our best customers are spouse. Wow. Oh, and far and away. Uh, if an unhappy house is an unhappy life and, and, uh, so we're still gleaming from uh, our recent engagement. So uh, I, think, I think we're a little bit above two a day. <laughs> um, but it's, it's still six years we've been together. So we're, we have a blast with that. Thank you. What an amazing tip. I like the Daily Double. 
you might have to think about what 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 a good word for three or four times a day is. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, so thank you very much. Um, thank you, Jenny. Uh, Ellen and, and Pete, I, I really appreciate your time here. Um, thank you for doing what you do. Uh, I, I think so many people need to invest times in themselves. And for those people that are like Sarah and myself that run a company as a couple, uh, uh, you know, boy, oh boy, there, there's so much uh, that needs to be said and shared and communicated that often doesn't. And uh, I, I just... I just thank you for what you do because it's it's amazing. It's it's needed. And thank you too, Jenny, yeah, for you your efforts, for your contributions as well. Thank oh you. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Well, if you hang on the line really quick, I'll go ahead and wrap up. Um, and on behalf of Ellen Bader and Pete Pearson, this is Jamie J, host of Culture Eat Strategy. Remember, go to iTunes. Uh, let me know what you think. If you love the show, give me five star and and give me a good rating. If you didn't like it. Leave me a one star uh, and give me a bad rating. Why? Because I care. I want to know what I'm doing. Can I ask better questions? Is there something that you need to find out more? Do you need to learn more something specifically about your business where culture will really help you strive and get to the next level? Please let me know. Email me, info at bottleneck.online. I'd love to answer any questions that you have. Thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, on behalf of uh, Ellen Bader and Pete Pearson, uh, thank you both. I appreciate it. And uh, we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Culture Eats Strategy with Jamie J. Leading with Kindness. Have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you soon.